Hello, this is Matt with the Mexico Mountains, and today I'm going to be doing a talk on historical knives and the United States and some of their modern equivalents, and there's also going to be a, a knife from uh, Canada. Okay, so the one we're going to start with is one that was actually designed by Horace Kephart, who lived about 25 to 30 miles away from where I do, and it's a knife he designed specifically for the eastern woodlands and we're going to break it down this is basically a one-to-one -one copy of the original knife now i do not have the original it's in a museum and a uh, western carolina university but this is a one of many upon many probably thousands of copies that are based off his design now on this on this knife it's got about a five inch blade one eight steel it has a spear point and a broom handles okay now this one is uh brazilian hardwood and it's a 1080 high carbon steel that's not important what we're talking about is the design of the knife itself now kephart was an avid outdoorsman if you know anything about kephart he lived a substantial portion of his life out you know in the woods basically and he wanted a knife and tried different all the knives he could get his hands on until he came up with his now this knife is unique in some features one straight back short blade with a spear point to get into joints of animals extremely well uh, one thing he did say that the knife should be of the still of the best you could afford uh, 1080 isn't the best steel, quote unquote, that we have now, but it's good for the outdoors because it's easy to sharpen. Um, the handle, he wanted a broomstick design held together to three pins. Basically, if you look at the tang, it's a tapered tang. And I know the light's in the way, but... Okay, so when you hold it, it's comfortable. Um, he also wanted a deep set pouch that would, you know, hold the blade. Um, that's the Kephart design, horse Kephart. Now we have a modern equivalent. And like I said, there are thousands of copies of this. This is just the modern equivalent that I own, and it is the SE Laser Strike. It's got the Kydex sheath with metal clip. I said that's not important. If you look at the blade, it's a more it's about the same length of blade, maybe a half inch. Still one eighth. But the feature is the same, the spear point as it's coming down. Now this has you know a different handle style for, for military use, but that's not important. What Kephart defined was an iconic woods blade. Uh, this is a uh, saber grind that I've turned into a Scandi. But, you know, it is more of the function. As in when you're gutting the animal, if you're getting into the joints of an animal, that's what he was looking for because that's what he used his knife for the most. Also kitchen, you know, kitchen task. Um, which is, let's be honest, aside from the times you're making traps or skinning an animal or or doing other things, 95% of the work you actually do with your knife 
is kitchen prep. Okay, so the SE Laser Strike is a tough as hell uh, version of a cap heart. Now, as we proceed further, we'll get into the one from Canada just because it's right here within easy reach. This, I wanted to try out the design a while ago, and the original of these came out in the 1950s by Grauman. I believe I'm saying his name correctly. But for $11, I got a one-to-one -one copy, except for one feature. This is a Canadian belt knife. Unusual. Now, the only difference between this and the uh, Grauman is that the Grauman is full tang, whereas this tang stops around here. But aside from that, the blade shape, the handle shape, is a one-to-one -one copy. So, and for the ones that's just listening, the blade shape for the cold steel Canadian belt knife is three-quarter tang. As you can see, it's around an eighth an inch thick. But this was made specifically almost for fur trappers, um, for processing meat, processing, you know, for processing your, your kill, your deer, your bear, your moose. That's what this knife excels at. It looks funky, but trust me, when you use this knife, you'll understand every design feature of it. And as far as I know, the Canadian belt knife uh, profile, shape, design has never changed. Um, now, you like aside from the, you know, this one's three quarter tang, but the actual blade shape and handle shape, as far as I know, has never changed. For 11 bucks, you can't go wrong for this knife. Now, as we go further back than Kephart, we come across Nesmic, George Washington Sears. And he designed the Nesmic knife. And I have a one-to-one -one copy of his knife here. Um, it has the Brazilian walnut handles, but it's one inch, one inch of an inch thick. This one is short because there's never been a description of the Nesmic knife itself, just a roughly drawn out blade. The original was probably, not guaranteed, probably rat tail tang. And if you notice, it has a very distinctive hump toward the end. There's a small hump at the handle and a significant hump going onto the end to a spear point blade and then swept back down. Think of the end of an old hickory butcher knife since old hickory butcher knives have not changed. Um, especially the carbon steel ones. They're still great knives. They're still great butcher knives. And the reason that they were butcher knives was they had this belly for, for digging in and skinning, but also for meat processing. And this hump allowed for you to make an incision on the other side of the animal or top side or however you prefer to, you know, prefer to skin. Flip it over, and as it's riding on this hump, it's lifting up that fur away from your gut cavity and away from your meat. Um, most butcher knives of that time period had that distinct um, design in them. Well, Nesmic spent used his knife mostly for food prep. He did have a jack knife that he used for carving and for whittling, but his knife he kept for skinning and food prep, processing game. So this is more of a butcher style knife. Um, and since there's not a distinct one-to-one um, -one copy of Nesmic knives, they vary in size. This is a larger version 
of the Nesbic knife. Now, as you can see, this would be more for as a what we would consider a butcher knife now on steroids. It's just a little bit, you know, the same thickness as the one before, but you can see the hump is more um, shown in this. Now, the quality of this knife is I can grab here, I can grab it here, and now I have a draw knife, or a, I can push it away from me for a shaving knife. Uh, whether that was part of Nesmic's design or not, I couldn't tell you. But it has almost a fluid appearance. It puts me in mind almost of a well. Okay. Like I said, this could be in the size of Nesmic's knife. We don't know. And if you do know, please, you know, leave a comment. So as we skip forward and skip forward, those other knives on the frontier, and I'm not going to say there wasn't, there was pocket knives or jack knives, what they were called. They was you know, Bowie knives or modified uh, butchering style knives that were even some called cartouches. And I haven't really found a, a good representation of that knife unless you count like a steak knife without the serrations. They were the ones that were mostly traded with the Indians. Now, as we come into what would be in the time of my generation, you have... Ray Mears designed, it took a bunch of knives and designed the modern bushcraft knives. Now, one of the knives that he based it off of was a Mora. This, the Mora, this is the number two classic. I'll beat this knife through all hell. But he basically took the blade shape a little bit, you know, the, the clip point blade shape, but he took the Scandinavian grind. Now, the Scandinavian grind is used to work wood really, really well. And most of your, most, not all, but most bushcraft knives now have the Scandinavian grind. Now, the one thing the Scandinavian grind does not excel at, and that is that is a, a processing game. Um, you can food prep with it. It's not my preferred, but you can do it but it works wood really 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 well now i do not own a wood lure they're literally close to ten thousand dollars and there's like a 15 to 20 year waiting list on one but what i do have is a whole series of bushcraft knives and this is the one that i use the most and it's based off of a wood, a wood lure design this is the spider code bushcraft now I'm not getting into the specifics of the knife. Just if you look at the the way the design of the knife is, how it looks almost s, almost like a a flowing, a still water pond top design. You know, bowled out handles. But if you go about on the bottom, it's almost like a canoe for the handle, and then the wake. Um, this is a Scandinavian ground knife. It's one inch thick, but. One thing you'll notice, the size of the knives used by Master Woodsman aren't very big. Batoning really wasn't never a thing until um, very recently compared to human history. Uh, you had an axe, you used your axe, you, used, you carved wedges. Um, I've heard the expression that most grandfathers would beat their grandkids' ass for batoning a knife because you're not using it for what it was designed for.
but the best no matter who makes your knife what brand it is how much it costs for some reason people gravitate to the four to six inch range now there are arguments saying that a big knife can do what a little knife can do but a little knife can't do what a big knife can do but when you get into those then you're you need to be area specific for example you would want a machete in the rainforest and you know i'm not going to get down that road but um with this with you know most bushcraft knives tend to be about four to six inches in length at my you know six inches maximum i prefer most people do a four and a half to five inch about four fingers on the blade with the same style handle at this length without a guard at this length it becomes a part of your hand um and i think our founding bushcraft fathers knew this because they spent all their time in the woods so like i said you know it doesn't matter the cost of your knife it doesn't matter the providence of your knife the material of your knife what matters is experience and this little walk down history should tell you that you don't need a big knife to survive uh, you can survive i mean there's been knives that are Neolithic ancestors. Uh, Neolithic means new and then stone. Neo-Neolithic stone. Uh, used that was scalpel size. It's all in your your expertise at fine carving. Uh, food prep. You know, so go forth. Uh, I hope this added, you know, to your knife knowledge. I know I didn't get into the knives. If you want me to get into the knives, I will, but I don't see how that's important. Um, just make sure that you study the knives of the people of where you've went or where you're going, who's been there for you, of the masters. Um, that way it would kind of set you up. In fact, what you can even do is uh, an old hickory butcher knife. You know, a lot of people still, you know, still uses them. So I'm starting to ramble, so I'm going to end the video and I'm going to end the podcast. So like, share, subscribe, send me a comment, question, whatever it is you have, and I'll get onto it. I'm going to start getting better about these. And I'm also going to be doing an herbology class, $25, payable upon cash, Facebook Messenger. And that $25 will also cover... The whole class you know from herbology 101 to advanced herbology everything in between it that one-time fee will cover that so if you're interested hit me up um be good to each other go out practice um love you